Hello, hello. Cool. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and today the Bible reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Going to be reading from 1 to 9, and then we're going to read from 20 till the end. If you'd like to turn to your Bible, see if you've got one, or it's on the screen behind me. These are the commands and decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. And now to verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from the, there to bring us in and give us a land he promised us, on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we may also always prosper and be kept alive, as is, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord, our God, as he has commanded us, that we will be our righteousness. morning. Let me pray before we start. Dear God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can be here, that we can gather, and that we can hear from your word. Lord, we ask that you just teach us from your word. Lord, strengthen us as, as we go about today, and uh, encourage us if we need encouragement, Lord. I pray that you just speak to us, and you give us ears that are open and hearts that are ready to hear your message. Amen. Now we'll come back to that verse, uh, that chapter in Deuteronomy, so I encourage you to keep your, uh, your Bible open. But I first want to start in a place of humility this morning. Now, next generation obviously focuses on we've got families, we've got parents, and um, I'm not a parent myself yet. Um, my first child is due in November, so um, I will be a parent soon, but I just want to start in this place of humility as parents and, and just say that we're not always perfect. We live in an imperfect world and we're imperfect people. So the things that we're speaking about today is obviously drawn from wisdom of the Bible, the truth of the Bible from wisdom from other parents, 
as I've been talking to them this week and, and getting some insights from them. And it's also a lot from, from reading ministry books and parenting books as well. This week I was asking a handful of questions to a few different parents just to get their insights and their, their thoughts a little bit on parenting. And I essentially asked them two questions. It was, what do you enjoy most about parenting? And then where have you struggled or where have you failed as a parent? Now, if you're a parent here today, you, you might, you know, thinking about the answers to these questions and you might have similar answers than what they had. But it seems to be a general theme that everyone spoke about. You know, the, one, the thing they enjoyed most about parenting was that they got to be there and see their child learn. They got to be there and see their child grow up, see their child achieve great things and maybe not so great things. And they got to spend time with their child. That was the time they most enjoyed, was when they just got to spend time with them. When asked, where have you struggled or where have you failed as a parent, the general theme tend to be, well, that what everybody answered or spoke about was time. Majority of them struggled with the, the time spent with their children, the time spent, whether it was to show them how to live, whether it was to disciple them, whether it was to pray with them or to love them. That was what they struggled with. And if you're a parent and you've, you've brought up kids and whether your kids are in the church, have held on to their faith, have stayed in the community or not, I just want to start in this place of humility and say there's no, there's no judgment in church. There's no judgment of what we do as parents. We give it all to God and let God work. But there are ways in which we can work together to achieve the best possible outcome to be the best parents and to parent beyond what we can do. Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all failed. As church, we've failed. Parents, we've failed. Leaders, we've failed. Christians, we've failed. And so guilt is one of those things that, that the devil feeds on. If we're feeling guilty that we haven't done something, it's one thing that the devil just feeds on that and normally draws you away from Jesus. So I just want to start with reinforcing again that, that no one's perfect. There's no perfect, there's no perfection. And we see that we see that imperfection in the church. We see that in the culture. Generations and generations of teens, generations and generations of children leaving the church. We see that a lot of them would leave between the children's to youth ministries. A lot of them would leave as, they, as they're finishing school or as they're getting near the end of school. And most of them... Most of them never come back. Most of them never come back to their faith. Most of them never come back to the, the community. And this, this is a problem. This is something that, 
you know, I've struggled with. It's something if you're a parent or you've led a ministry, you've probably struggled with as well. I was reflecting about my youth experience in this church as a youth, and I thought about 10 friends that I had in youth. And so I was looking, reading the statistics and knowing the statistics and just going, well, is, is that correct? Are people actually leaving the church? And out of the 10 friends that I had in church, they had, most of them had Christian family. Most of them came along to our, all our youth events. They came along to church services and were connected in. And some were even serving as well and putting back. Out of the 10, four of them still have their faith. Four of them are still connected. And that's, that's saddening. I don't want to, as, as a youth leader, we had about 50 teens here on Friday. I don't want to look at that and go, 40% of them are going to stay in the church. 60% are leaving. I don't like those statistics. And I want to work out a way. I want to see a way that we can change that. See a way that we can lead beyond our capacity. See a way that we can parent beyond our capacity. And that we can see Jesus transforming lives. And people holding on to their faith. Holding on to their identity in Jesus. When we look back in the Bible, looking at, at the nation of Israel, we see the same thing that's happening here today. Generations and generations of, of people leaving the faith, leaving their right to, leaving to live for righteousness. They're not living for righteousness. We have a look and see that specifically in First and Second Kings. It introduces the kings over and over tells it who the king was, who the king was before. And one statement that is aligned to most of it is this. It says, He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his predecessors had done. And he did not turn away from the sins of the king before him, the sins of the father before him. We see generations and generations of people leaving and if one generation leaves, it's hard for that generation to come back and turn around and know Jesus. And that's what we see in First and Second Kings. But for those that did, they really did make a big impact. And for those kings that held firm to their faith, like their father David did before them, just made an impact and would have made an incredible generational impact on the nation of Israel. So we're not the nation of Israel, but we are here as followers of Jesus. So how can we ensure, how can we our best and come together to make sure that the generations to come, the generations that are following us, the next generations are serving God, coming to know Jesus and being freed by the blood of Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. It's a concept 
where parents can parent beyond their capacity. The church can lead beyond their capacity to do so. And if we start doing beyond what we can do and what God can do through us, then we will see generations come to know Jesus. We'll reduce that percentage of people leaving the church. I haven't given it away yet, but I'll let you know soon how we're going to do that. There seems to be two ways that parents tend to disciple and teach their kids. The first way, we're going to call that the red way, and that's the heart of the family, that we disciple at, at home. We disciple in what we do. We teach them the good way, you know, good way to speak, the polite, the truth. We teach them about Jesus and the Bible throughout at home. And primarily, we do it at home. So that's one way. The other way, we call it the yellow way, is the church disciples my children. We normally, primarily, the focus as a parent is we, we, bring, our, we bring our kids to church events and church programs and they disciple the children. And that's where their primary discipleship happens. So that's the two thinkings, red and yellow. Disciple at home and disciple at, at church. And that parents generally, from my experience from chatting to them, sit in either one camp. Now, there's normally a little bit of discipleship that happens at home, even if you're in the church one. And there's normally, I bring them along to programs and do that. But we tend to focus on one or the other. Now, I want to introduce you to a new way of thinking. You may not have been thinking this way, but what if, some parents are in this camp, what if the family disciples at home and the church disciples at church? Now, they can't be, if they're done separately, there's a disconnection. But if the home and the parents partner with the church... Together, that is the best way to hold thinking orange. If we're partnering together, the parents can parent beyond their capacity and the church leaders can lead beyond their capacity because we're partnering together in bringing up the next generation in the ways of Jesus. The Rethink Group the guys that writing books about this Think Orange stuff. And the founder and CEO of this group, Reggie Joyner, has written a book called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, which you can purchase today down the bottom there if you'd like to read this sort of stuff. And he shares a story in his book about his 16-year-old son. His son had been out on a date one night, and he had a curfew a time when he had to be home. And he went past that curfew and came home late. Now, as, as the father was, obviously, that he was, he was late and made sure that his son knew that he was angry. And so he came home, he was angry, confronted his son and said, why are you late? 
you, were, you knew you had to be home at the curfew time. What happened? Why are you late? And his son's response was, I can't, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you because you're the one that makes the rules. There seems to be, because, because his father made the rules in the house, he didn't feel like he could talk of things to him. Now, if you're a parent, you've probably experienced a similar thing. I know my, I couldn't tell my parents everything. That you felt like you couldn't tell it, maybe because they were the rule giver. Now, did Reggie or his son do anything wrong? No. It's good for a father and good for a parent to be the rule, the people who enforce the rules and give the rules. And his son, feeling like he couldn't talk to him, you know, is a normal reaction to what happens. Reggie met with one of his, his mentors the following day and was just wondering what, what he could do. Because he'd done everything as a parent that he'd, he'd made sure that he um, enforced the rules. And he was trying to talk with and communicate with his son to why he was late. And so obviously that there was some sort of reason that could, have, could be harmful for his son. And when talking to his mentor, he, his mentor suggested, well, is there somebody else that your son can share with his struggles or, or what happened because, because he won't talk to you? And so Reggie went home, asked his son, um, because you can't talk to me about what happened, is there somebody else that you can talk to? And his son suggested one of, the, one of the people, one of the men from his church, one of the um, trusted adults from his church that he could go and speak to. And he spoke to that person. Now, because Reggie could trust this adult and he was part of the church, he, he knew that his son was all right. There wasn't any concern. It wasn't a big, a big deal. But the fact that he couldn't talk to him, it left him worried. And if you're a parent, you may have been in the same situation. But because his church was thinking orange, because his church had somebody who his son could talk to and confide in and, and ask about things, that they could do that, but he could also enforce the rules at home. And he can also disciple and lead at home. So this is the power of thinking orange. Is that, you know, as parents, you don't have to be worried because there's also that trust from the church. And if you're partnering together and working together, we see our teens being brought up. That some of these struggles that maybe they face, that they can't talk to their parents about, that they're to people at the church about. Because if they're not talking to someone who is trusted, someone who is an adult at church, they're always going to talk to their friends. And sometimes, most of them, their friends aren't going to give them good advice. But if the parents are partnering with the church, with trusted adults and leaders, and the church is partnering with the parents, and they're communicating and they're effectively working together, they're able to think orange. Strategy will impede every, everything they do. 
If we go back to the passage in, in Deuteronomy 6, is the, the second giving of the law. So as, as the nation of Israel, as the nation of Israel come into, we're about to pass into the land, into the promised land, Moses is standing up and delivering a speech and is enforcing and making sure that they understand the laws. They understand what God is telling to them. You know, just before in verse 5, he goes through the Ten Commandments and speaks it to everyone. Now, to understand this verse correctly, you've got to understand that when he says, these are the commandments that I give you today to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. When he says those words, he is not just speaking to the parents of Israel. The whole nation of Israel is there as he's instructing these words to impress them on your children. So when impressing on children, it's not just your own children, but it's the children of Israel. And so we take that and look at our context, that as the church, we sort of like the children of Israel. So when we're impressing this on our children, we as a church together, not the building, but the people, have a responsibility to impress the ways of the Lord on our children. And we can do this effectively. I believe we can do this effectively if we're thinking orange, if there's partnership, if there's connection together to raise our children. So what can we do? What can we do? I'm not... I'm not here to give up a list of programs or a list of ways that we can do it. But just like the body of Christ, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a certain skill set that they have. And if everyone contributes with their skill set, with their gifting, as the church, we're effective. But if everyone's on the same mindset, same thinking, and thinking orange together, and using that gifts to contribute to orange thinking, to contribute to this strategy of working together and raising our children, then we will effectively see a generation raised up in the Lord. We cannot do it separately. It needs to be together. And that's images we get throughout the Bible. It's working together. It's partnering we never go out alone. It's all together. So what do we do as parents? We need to start partnering together. We as ministry leaders want to know what you're struggling with. We want to celebrate in your joys. We want to be in your life and help you with that. And as parents, invite us into your life. Invite us leaders into what you're doing so that we can be there support and partner together. Now, if you're not a parent, the body of Christ, you are the body of Christ. You still have this responsibility to raise the next generation. And so everybody has a certain gift that they can do to do that. Speaking to a lady after the um, 8.30 service, just after I've spoken, and she, she said, well, I was a university lecturer and I taught teachers um, in, in the schools. How can I help? 
how can I help do that? Well, children and teenagers are at school all the time. They're with teachers all the time. So she can help by helping us as leaders understand how to think, understand what teachers are doing, so that when we're chatting to the teens and connecting and relating to them, that we know what teachers are doing. We understand. We can do that. On Friday night, we had a, a big youth event here called Encounter. And the focus of that is to really invite our community kids um, so they can hear the good news of Jesus, hear the gospel, and respond to it. Now, we offered free food on the night, free dinner to do that. We couldn't do that without the financial support from you guys, but we also couldn't have done that with our caterers. Now, Janet Rigby and her team, about five of them, came along, tirelessly served food and made food for us. Now, the reason there was five boys that came along, never been to church before, never come to some sort of event like this before, knew a little bit about God, but didn't really know much. Now, the reason why they came was because they could get free dinner. It was the reason why they came. They went, sweet, free dinner, I'll come along. And because Janet was helping us in the kitchen provide food and provided food, they were able to hear the gospel. And those five guys, after the message, said, we don't know much about God, but we want to know and understand more about God and Jesus. And that's, and that's just awesome. Because we partnered together with Janet, we had the worship team playing here as well. Everyone partnered together. They used their certain gift. And Janet's gift is catering. She's good at it. We had way too much food, but that's awesome. But that's why she used her gift to raise the next generation. She didn't speak to any teen, but she used what she did to raise the next generation. So that's one way, as we as a church, everybody has their own certain gifts that they can use to raise the next generation, to think orange. Now, if you're already working in some of our next generation ministries and the kids' ministries and the youth ministries, we want you to start thinking bigger than just the individual program that you're in. We want you to start thinking bigger than just the youth ministry, bigger than just the kids' ministry. But we want you to start thinking generationally. Start thinking orange. How can I, as a leader, partner with parents to raise the next generation? How can I, as a leader in this program, ensure that we're not just doing the program for program's sake, but we're focusing on raising and teaching the children that we have here, the teens that we have here, about the next generation. Close on one of my favorite songs, and a song that's always stuck with me, is the song Hosanna. And it has a line in it. One of the verses says this, I can see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. That's always stuck with me. And if we start to partnering together, if we start as a church thinking orange, I can see a generation rising up to take our place, to take our place 
in continuing to expand the gospel, continuing to save people. I can see this generation. Let me pray. Dear God, we thank you for your words this morning. Lord, we thank you for your message. Lord, we ask that as we as you lead us on this journey, that you would bring us along with you. Lord, as you've done already, teach and instruct us in what we're doing. And help us, strengthen us to serve you at all times, Lord. Help us to think orange, think biblically, and think more about you. Amen. Just did that great.